Welcome to Hashtags and Stilettos with Sakita Holly, the podcast that's like having your own personal publicist in your pocket, sharing business, lifestyle, and PR tips on demand. Live tweet this episode using the hashtag Hashtags and Stilettos and follow Hashtags and Stilettos on Instagram for visual inspiration and updates about the podcast. And make sure you're also following me on Twitter or Instagram at Miss Success. That's M-I-S-S Success. In this episode, I I will be talking about Shea Moisture's recent PR fail and will provide tips on what other brands should do when marketing products to diverse audiences. The tips will be from the perspective and lens of a hair care brand, but can be applied to any size company or industry. About a week ago, Shea Moisture, a company that specializes in organic hair, beauty, and body products that since its launch were designed to meet the hair and skincare needs of multicultural consumers who traditionally have been ignored by mass market companies, released an ad on Facebook focused on hair hate that immediately caused a firestorm of controversy. I've included a link to the original ad in this episode's show notes on hashtagsandstilettos.com, but for those who haven't seen it yet, here's a brief description. The one-minute clip features four women, one who appears to be Latina with long, loose 3A or 3B textured curls, and three white women, one with blonde hair and two redheads. Each woman talks about being bullied for or having negative feelings about their hair. The Latina woman says people used to throw uh, little paper balls in her hair. The blonde woman says that someday she just didn't know what to do with her hair. And then one of the redhead women says that until recently, she didn't feel comfortable as a redhead and for seven years had dyed her hair platinum blonde. Okay, cool. Seems innocent enough, right? Mm, not quite. Like, there are a number of things wrong with this particular ad. One is that Shea Moisture's core consumer, core audience for 20 plus years has been black women, black and brown women, multicultural women. But there were zero visible black women in this ad. Two, the ad is focused on hair hate and exclusively features women with hair textures, and if we're being all the way real and honest, complexions that in our society and around the world are actually the most popular and celebrated textures. It did not feature women with coarse, kinky, or short hair, like closely cropped, maybe like a fro or something, or or really kinky curls. All attributes that are not only hated, but shunned in our society. Women with these textures are often punished or pressured at school, in the workplace, in the military, or in social situations to adapt a more quote-unquote presentable look, which normally means you need to straighten your hair. So an ad about hair hate not featuring that part of a woman's life, like that part of your core consumer's real experience, that's a huge, 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 huge misstep. And also it's like, so black women who with their hard-earned money and loyalty that has kept this company afloat and in the game for all of these years were outraged about being what they perceived as erased from Shea Moisture's messaging. Um So they took to social media and they voiced their concerns about the brand. Now, 
immediately, Shea Moisture did the opposite. Shea Moisture's social media team did the opposite of what they should have done. And they went on the defensive. I mean, when I tell you that these comments from women who were showing pictures of their Shea Moisture stashes and they were just so upset, like they were coming by the second, hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of comments. And Shea Moisture's team went on the defensive, dismissing most of these consumer complaints and concerns and instead started to share messages on Twitter from supporters who were mostly men who just didn't get what all the fuss was about. Why is everybody so mad? I don't get it. And in this retweet spree that they went on, they also inadvertently shared a message from a man who is notorious for his consistent dragging and slander of specifically black women, further leading consumers to believe that, you know what, this one, y'all are wildin'. Like, y'all have completely, like, officially gone off the deep end and lost your minds. But also, maybe the people responsible for this new direction and for Shea Moisture social media, maybe they don't look like me. And because if they did, they would know that this isn't the best route to take. And as a way to prove their point, uh, people began circulating screenshots of like Shea Moisture's PR and social media team members from LinkedIn, which happened to be all white women, which in many people's minds further demonstrated the brand's disconnect. Now, I don't necessarily condone that. However, and I want to make a quick note here that Shea Moisture CEO Rich Dennis in an interview after the backlash said that one of the women whose photo was shared had nothing to do with the campaign literally like at all and that their VP of communications is in fact a black woman. Um, Again, we're going to get into why your team matters when it comes to the consumers that you're marketing to, or just regular business. We're going to talk about that a little later. But going back to this whole timeline of what was going on, so the ad gets posted, Shea Moisture, uh, well, consumers are livid, Shea Moisture goes on a defensive, and then within a few hours, um, like the backlash had reached a fever pitch at this point, I guess somebody at Shea woke up and realized like, Oh, okay. <laughs> Maybe this is not really what we what we need to be doing, um, and that's when they issued their now viral "We fucked up" apology, um, and completely changed their tone to one of support and understanding. And then Rich Dennis, to his credit, went on a mini press tour, doing interviews with The Breakfast Club and speaking to a few other outlets to further explain the company's position and how this all happened in the first place. He said in these interviews a couple of things that are that are very important. Um, he said that the ad was only one piece of content from a larger campaign that featured much more inclusive content. Okay. He said that it wasn't properly vetted internally and it didn't go through their normal approval channels. Okay. He also said that he admitted that they should have included a black woman or women in this particular ad or or spot or piece of content that was focused on hair hate. Now, I have a great deal of respect for 
rich and the company that he's built, I have a great deal of respect for Shea Moisture. And I applaud his immediate, um, you know, just kind of getting out there and saying, look, this, this is not what we intended. This is not what we wanted to do. This is not what we meant to, to do or convey. However, this is not the first time that Shea Moisture in particular has been in the hot seat for seemingly erasing black women consumers. A few years ago, I would say that's kind of when you would notice a shift. Um, and they began sharing images of white babies with blue eyes talking about Shea Moisture and an increasing amount of white women, which confused their consumers. It wasn't, it didn't have to be an issue and we'll get into it, but it was confusing and people spoke up like, um, hello, like, is there something you want to tell us? <laughs> is there something we should know? <laughs> like, what are you doing? Like, talk to us. What's going on? You know, um, Shay also introduced a campaign called Breaking the Walls or Breaking Down the Walls, uh, something of the sort, which was designed to encourage retailers to stop segregating hair products for multicultural consumers in the ethnic aisle while all other products are placed in general beauty aisles. This too was received with mixed reviews from women who felt as if, okay, this is a definite sign that the brand is moving further and further away from us, its core audience. Another thing happened when um, Bain Capital in 2015 took a minority stake in the company, sparking comments from people who thought that Mitt Romney, who is a co-founder of Bain but is no longer involved with the company, was now the owner of Shea Moisture. I saw some comments about that surface after this last ad dropped too, so I just kind of wanted to mention that. Um, and now that I've given you some background information, I also just want to go a step further to dispel a few Shea Moisture myths before I get into my tips for them and any other brand or business looking to market hair care or other products to diverse audiences. I just touched on this briefly, but myth number one is whether or not Shea Moisture is still a Black-owned brand. When this whole thing happened with the hair hate ad, a lot of people were quick to say, well, Shea Moisture is not even Black-owned anymore, so what do you expect? But yes, it is. Rich Dennis is still the CEO of the company he co-founded with his college roommate and his mother. His grandmother's recipes and insights is what served as the inspiration for the products. Bain Capital made an investment in 2015, making them a minority partner, but the family still has a majority share of the ownership and still controls the vision and direction for the brand. And they're the ones that should continue to be held accountable. Myth number two, now that Shea Moisture is looking to expand into other markets, they are abandoning its core audience of black women. Now, Rich consistently denies that this is a fact. However, the company really got to get its shit together in order to avoid this perception from sticking. And the tips that I'm about to provide will help them do that. And it will also help others avoid these same kind of missteps. It's, it's really simple. It's not difficult at all. The third myth is that Shea Moisture formulas have changed to fit the needs of these new target audiences. 
This is another claim that Rich denies, but the company is going to have to do a lot more product education in order to avoid these kinds of complaints or just, again, in order to avoid this being the perception like, oh, now you want to talk to new people. So you changing the formulas up on me and I can't really trust your products anymore. Like that's important for them to like really nip that in the bud before that gets out of hand. Um, And the fourth and and final myth is that, which has been actually repeated by executives at Shane Moisture, by people in the media, and by people who just didn't understand the outrage, is that black and brown women don't want Shane Moisture to expand their target audience to include other ethnicities. Now look, (laughs) while I'm going to just say we, while we black and brown women do question as consumers who are often neglected, but who also spend the most money in every single category you could name or think of, we do question why can't we have one exclusive brand experience? Why can't we have one exclusive something for us, right? We do question that. However, we honestly don't care who you're trying to reach as long as you don't exclude us from the conversation, as long as you don't forget that we kind of got you to this point in your business and that, you know, a lot of brands feel that because we're so loyal that once we're hooked on something, that once we are spending our money with that company, that they could just move on because they got us. But that's that's not true. Like, if if that was true for black women or multicultural consumers in general, would McDonald's and other fast food companies still be advertising or positioning their company for multicultural youth culture or, you know, advertising, targeting their ads and their messaging to us? No, they wouldn't if that was the case. But company, companies don't get that if you want to keep a group of consumers from spending their money elsewhere, you have to engage them for as long as you're in business. But unfortunately, the exclusion and erasure of black women from marketing messages is inevitably what happens, not just with you know companies in the beauty space, but every single industry when they decide that they want to reach new or greener pastures. African-American, Hispanic, and Asian consumers over-index. That means we spend the most money in most, if not all, beauty categories. And it's no secret that our spending power is going to continue to increase as America enters its way toward becoming a majority-minority nation. It just is what it is. Multicultural consumers are savvier and more vocal than ever about wanting tailored solutions for their unique needs and not just the quick ingredient switcheroos or packaging refreshes, which can be common approaches within some of these larger multinational or multi-brand companies. Simply creating a product or product line is no longer enough. And simply just putting out advertising or or social media messages that don't include this group is unacceptable. You just cannot do it. And hair care companies like Shea Moisture and others um, 
I'm only singling them out because this happened with them, but this really is a PSA for every single company, every single industry that wants to diversify its audience. You know, these companies should be prepared to invest time, money, and resources in the communities that they want to reach for the long haul if they want any chance of, of truly tapping into this extremely brand loyal group. Learning how to communicate and interact with this group with its many nuances and cultural sensitivities is crucial. Here are my tips. I'm about to break it down that will help Shea Moisture and other brands avoid missteps like the one that was made with this hair hay ad and learn how to effectively market their products to diverse audiences. Tip number one, use images and visuals that reflect and represent the audience you want to reach. A picture and a video, as we've learned, are worth a thousand words. The images and visuals that a brand uses sends a clear message to consumers about who the product or service is for. This extends beyond advertising images and also covers social media content. Consumers play close attention to these details and will notice (laughs) if a brand only features or highlights women with a certain texture of hair, which we've already talked about, like straight hair or is it all loose curls or a certain complexion. Are you only using models with fair skin? Many brands make the mistake of thinking that if they cover all hair textures with feature models that they don't also have to factor in a range of skin tones. You do, and you should, and you know this. You know better. But the minute you decide, like, okay, now we're making products for specific needs, that's when the erasure starts to occur. So tip one, use images and visuals that reflect and represent the totality of the audience that you're trying to reach. Not just one little segment of it, the totality of the audience that you're trying to reach. And if you do, like Shea Moisture, have a campaign that has multiple pieces of content, the first piece of content that you need to put out that that's supposed to be representative of the entire campaign, that's the one that needs to be the most inclusive. If you have other ones that just speak to a certain, a specific topic, person, audience, group, do that after the the big one, okay? That That features, you know, a good representation of your full audience. Tip number two is don't, and this is specific, again, these tips are in the lens of a hair care company, but you can repurpose them for your industry. But I need hair care brands to listen up because this one is something y'all are doing right now, which is just ridiculous. Don't use a focus on hair texture as a loophole to avoid or ignore cultural sensitivities. I just touched on this a little bit, but a new buzzword that's that's kind of going around and has been going around for the last couple years is multi-textural marketing. And it refers to the marketing of hair care products and solutions to specific hair textures. This is fine. It's, it's fine. It's important. It's necessary. But it's not okay if you're using it as a loophole to avoid or ignore cultural sensitivities and diversity. 
Like, this approach was obvious when a few years ago, Dove, which is known for its viral campaigns focused on celebrating, you know, real beauty and how women see themselves, introduced its range of products for curly and textured hair. The messages were all about inclusion and getting women to celebrate and love their curls, but the initial campaign images only featured fair-skinned and racially ambiguous women, which was glaringly obvious. They received a lot of pushback on social media and have since made some adjustments. But that's the thing. We should not have to revolt in order for brands to see us and include us after the fact. Imagine how that makes consumers feel, especially when we're spending money. While we're here, um, when Rich Dennis was on The Breakfast Club, Angela Yee said she... she Got it. She understood what the what the backlash was, but she made a comment about how black women or black people have have purchased products forever that were not necessarily geared toward us, made for us or marketed toward us and that we didn't have we don't have a problem with it. Mm, That's not true. Like there's some nuance in that statement. There's truth to it. Yes, we have, and we still do purchase products that are not marketed to us, that are not designed with us necessarily top of mind. But that's because there is so little that is made for us that we have to make do with what's available. And then we have to get innovative on our own and create our own things, which is also something that we're doing. So if you state a fact, acknowledge the nuance. We, it's not that we don't have a problem with it. We don't have a choice. But I'm going to digress. Tip number three. Companies need to communicate through their internal discomfort. When brands make the mistake of not being inclusive, like what we've seen with Pepsi, Nivea, Shea Moisture, Dove, others, it's easy to think that they are racist or what's going on, this is ridiculous. But in reality, when it comes to selecting marketing messages or models for campaigns, many in-house and agency teams which are usually not diverse themselves, revert to what they know, which results in homogenous images that often exclude women of color, just off the top. It's just what happens. While they may mean well, there is generally some internal discomfort about how do I communicate with an audience that I really don't understand? However, it's important that teams are that teams that are tasked with marketing products to us, to diverse audiences, get over this discomfort and start talking to one another and to the communities that you want to engage with. Because if you don't, you'll end up losing this valuable segment of the beauty market. And if you find yourself like the the white women whose images were shared that work at Shea Moisture, that's not that's not an issue. Shout out to you for having your job and for being in that position. But whether you're in a, a company like Shea Moisture or you're in a company like Dove that is really, you know, trying to reach um, so many different women, you have a duty to go outside of your comfort zone. You have a duty to make sure that the work that you're creating, the content, the images, the the product, the packaging, everything that you create, it's your duty to make sure that it's inclusive and reflective of who you're selling your products to. It's So whatever discomfort you feel, get over it. Tip number four, engage and interact with these communities. 
I am always so shocked when I see brands communicating at versus to and with their audience of consumers. And this is, I was shocked when after this ad release, you know, Shea Moisture's team was on the defensive. And I was just like, how can you be so tone deaf? Like, it was just a deliberate dismissal of these hundreds and hundreds of comments from women telling, like, you know, when people are like, I don't get it. I don't understand. Well, if you would stop typing for one second and just scroll through these comments of hundreds of women telling you exactly how they feel, why they're upset, why they're hurt, you will get it. So instead of immediately going to a dismissal, pay attention. You can learn so much about a community and their preferences, their likes and dislikes, their needs and desires by doing something that is so crazy, I'm about to tell you. It's, a, it's not a secret, but y'all act like it's a secret. Ask. Literally, just ask them. Social media has virtually eliminated the barrier between people that buy your products and people that make the products. But unfortunately, many brands still use social media as a one-way channel to push their messages and agenda instead of creating a two-way discussion. Twitter and Facebook chats are a great way to answer consumer questions about the brand or products and gives you a chance to build lasting relationships with your brand's biggest supporters. If you're not ready to do a chat, the next best thing is to get in the habit of responding to all, yes, all messages you receive across all of your brand's social media pages. Every tweet, every Instagram and Facebook comment, every um, DM, even if you respond with a single emoji, it can change the perception about your brand in a consumer's mind and make them feel valued and heard. Yes, it takes more time, but it is an invaluable investment that pays dividends in the long run, and it should not be overlooked. Tip number five, learn the lingo, but be authentic. Establishing a continuous dialogue with consumers that you want to reach gives you a way to authentically learn their lingo and communication preferences. The key word here is or authentic <laughs> because knowing and using a group's lingo isn't always the best method and it can come, come across as condescending or out of touch. It can even feel like appropriation when done without having any real connection to the culture. If you need any example of this, all you have to do is Google brands saying they, and a bunch of stories will come up that really just show you how terrible. Anyway, like when we come, when we talk about knowing the lingo and being authentic when it comes to hair care brands, if you have non-diverse or non-inclusive teams in place, there, there should be some kind of glossary of terms or just, just first, first of all, before we even get to that, diversify your teams. And that's actually the last tip, but I just wanted to throw that in there. But if they're not at the moment, do you know what pineappling means? Do you know why using a satin scarf or pillowcase is significant? Can any of your brand's products be used for the lock method? Like these are just a sample of some of the things that you should know if you're marketing your hair care products to a diverse and multicultural audience. To take that a step further, tip six is to study and know the hairstyles. So know the style. 
first of all. Like, if you're marketing these products, you should probably know a thing or two about the different ways that we style our hair. For instance, do you know the difference between box braids and micro braids? You know what a Senegalese twist is? Can you spot the results of a braid out versus a twist out? Do you know about the wash and go or the glory of the added volume you get from two and three day old hair? No? You should start studying or better yet, go and talk to the people you're trying to reach. Let them educate you. Tip number seven, when you make a mistake, quickly fess up and own it. And to Shea Moisture's credit, they did that. They apologized. They admitted fault. And I thought their apology was sincere. I did feel like, even though I thought it was sincere, I felt like, okay, this is not the first time y'all have been in this hot seat. So you are on pretty much your last apology. You're just on it. That's just it. Um, But if you make a mistake, any other company, if you make a mistake, by, let's say, sharing something that may be offensive or culturally insensitive, own it. Don't just issue, like, the standard non-apology apology where people are like, if you were offended, if we offended anybody, ain't no if. People were offended. You know people were offended. And instead of doing that, well, sorry we made you mad, go take some time to read through the complaints and the comments to get a better idea of what the offense was. And then once you've wrapped your mind around it, once you've gotten past whatever ego is telling you to just dismiss them, issue a sincere apology and mention how you will avoid making the same mistake in the future. Tip number eight is to focus on and highlight ingredients or key product benefits. Consumers from all backgrounds want hair care products with more natural ingredients and fewer harsh chemicals. The big trend right now, especially for hair care, is all about the oils. Shea, coconut, argan, manoi, marula, castor, olive. Formulating any of these oils into your brand's hair care products is great, but you should also be able to pinpoint and highlight what the benefits are and how these ingredients provide those benefits. And your company should always be on the hunt for the new next best thing to stay or remain ahead of the curve. If you don't market, if you're not marketing hair care products, but you are trying to reach audiences with your diverse audiences, talk about the benefits to them. Talk about what your product does to solve that community's challenge or issue. You know, if, if you're marketing something that has to do with skincare, maybe talk about hyperpigmentation, or if you're talking to a younger audience, Generation Z, talk about, you know, something that stops or prevents acne or gets rid of acne, you have to kind of tailor it. If you're talking to an older audience, does your pro- does your product have any anti-aging benefits? To play that up and, and really focus your messaging on, you know, what needs your product or company is meeting in the marketplace. Tip number nine. In this tip number nine, I mean, this is one of my favorites, uh, Look for and support emerging voices. So working with bloggers and influencers who are the most visible or who have the, the biggest audience is it's easy, right? It's an easy win for brands. It's an easy sell for executives. But as a consumer, 
it gets so boring when you see the same five to seven people at every event or involved in the same campaign. Not only is it boring, but it starts to feel less authentic and believable when brands only work with the usual suspects, which is why at my firm, House of Success PR, I am a huge fan and advocate of elevating emerging or otherwise marginalized voices. I believe that on some level, everyone has a sphere of influence, and it's not always about the amount of followers. Like I feel like I'm going to say that until my head falls off, but it really isn't about the amount of followers. It isn't always about that, but rather the amount of engagement that person receives within their digital community. Another benefit to elevating emerging voices is that your brand gets to play a major role in their growth. And when they do become major players, which, you know, the ones that are consistent and that are grinding, they will you know, have a larger audience one day or they will have a larger reach one day, they will not forget the brands that ignored them when they had a smaller audience. And they'll also definitely, but they'll definitely remember the ones who took a chance on them. Now, the final tip is to diversify your marketing, advertising, and PR teams. Now, look, if you only take one piece of advice from this whole episode, it should be this one. Because if you diversify your marketing, advertising, and PR teams, hell, even your executive team, everything else that I've discussed would likely fall into place automatically. So please, seriously, seriously, like it's 2017. Why we even got to talk about this? Why? For what? Why? Diversify your teams. Listen, some of what has already been discussed underscores why brands need to invest in diversity of their in-house and external teams, agencies, consultants, whoever. Working with people who look like and could potentially be the consumer you're trying to reach is essential in making sure your brand's messages and imagery is authentic and that it takes all of the cultural nuances into consideration. But it's not enough to just have diverse voices in the room. Once you invite them in, you also need to make sure that you ask for, listen, and value their perspective, their feedback, and their counsel. So to recap, here are 10 tips that hair care and beauty brands and any other brand in any other industry should be thinking about as they try to reach diverse audiences. Tip number one, use images and visuals that reflect and represent the audience you want to reach. Tip number two, don't use a focus on hair texture or anything else as a loophole to avoid or ignore cultural sensitivities. Tip number three, communicate through internal discomfort. Tip number four, engage and interact with the communities that you're trying to reach. Tip number five, learn the lingo, but be authentic. Tip number six, study and know the hairstyles. Or you you can interchange hairstyle for anything that's relevant to your industry. Study it. Study the culture, basically. Tip number seven, if you make a mistake, own it. Shea Moisture did, and kudos to them for doing that. Tip number eight, 
focus on and highlight ingredients or key product benefits. Tip number nine, look for and support emerging voices. And tip number 10, probably the most important tip of them all, because everything else will fall into place, is diversify your marketing, advertising, and PR teams. And I'm going to take that a step further. Diversify your damn company. Diversify your executive team. Diversify your C-suite. Because you need people in your organization who can flag these types of things before they even reach the public eye. Look at, take a good look at your team and you'll know immediately what you need to do. Thank you for listening to another episode of Hashtags and Stilettos. Share your thoughts on social media using the hashtag Hashtags and Stilettos. And you can tweet or Instagram me directly at Miss Success. That's M-I-S-S Success. If you're listening to this episode in Apple Podcasts, on iTunes, please take a minute to rate the podcast and write a review.